Welcome to Swimming with a Fish, where Georgia is on our minds. I'm only here today again with the chief, as the goon has once again extended his vacation with the mouse in Florida. How are you today, chief? I came back from work and took a little nap, because apparently going to sleep the same day that you wake up will take its toll on you eventually. I, uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to be fighting yawns. Uh, most of this show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is the 21st of June. Happy uh, summer solstice, longest day of the year. It is also the day after, the night before, of which we are planning to spend most of tonight's show. And that would be the night the Democrats lost again and again. Um, That's a twofer. For it, it, was, it was a twofer. Well, there you go. It was, it was a twofer. Um, Strange, and, and, and we'll discuss this later, I'm sure. A lot of attention on the 6th District of Georgia and nary a whimper or whisper of the 5th District of South Carolina. I think that was a little odd. I think maybe the, the general tendency was everybody thought the South Carolina was a foregone conclusion, but again, like we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit later. So, uh, as I mentioned, um, the goon has uh, extended his stay in the land of the mouse, uh, the good news is uh, he will be providing a short uh, commentary on some of the <laughs> election night coverage we got from some of the mainstream media outlets. The reason I'm yawning today is because I'm a big fan of schadenfreude, and I stayed up way, way too late for the old crutch man. Um, watching CNN, they flip over to MSNBC, go back to Fox News for a little bit, because they're all smiling over there, and I gotta tell you, it was uh, it was it was very enjoyable. But um, as this is the second week of of, of Goon's vacation, I, I did want to ask: Is everybody get two week vacations? Because I, I want to make sure I can schedule the right time. Uh, as far as I know, he is taking a vacation. You will be taking a vacation, and I don't get vacations. I don't have the privilege that you guys have. Oh, but now see, see, I picture you having a great time like on a cruise or something like that you know big ocean deep ocean cruise what do you think that'd well, be fun right? well as i have told you before the last time my people went on boats it didn't work too well for us so. <laughs> oh well yeah i could see that would be uh but was that like pavlovian or genetic at this point you just have a I really have an affinity for staying on dry land at this point. Thank you. Yes. I, if I don't have to, then I'm not going to. You're okay with bridges? I don't like those, but, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, to be honest with you, Chief, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you're on that boat alone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. i got to get a rim shot here. Woohoo! Um, we'll be here all week. Try the salmon. Um, so. I'm allergic to fish. It, it just keeps okay. getting worse. <laughs> so... That's <laughs> true. Okay, I'm going to have to come up with a new line just for you. Like, you know, try the hominy. <laughs> the hummus. Hummus. We could go for hummus. Hummus is good. Yep. Everybody likes hummus. Well. Many yep. people. Many people. Entire countries, cultures, ways of life. Anyway, we digress. So, um, yeah, so the goon is, um, he's hanging out with the mouse. Uh, he was kind enough to, to put in some thoughts um, regarding the coverage. Uh, first and foremost, let's uh, get to the meat of the matter. As you now know, uh, Karen Handel has won the seat in the 6th uh, uh, Congressional District of Georgia. Get it right. Uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. This is a seat that uh, has been in GOP control for about 35 years. Uh, for those of you who are really, really old like me, uh, this is the seat that uh, Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich used to hold. She's not a complete political neophyte, but this is, uh, this is like the first big thing she's done um, outside of her state. Uh, she was the Secretary of State for the state of Georgia. Correct. Um, yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, so, so the, the way it all worked out was uh, Tom Price had the seat, and uh, he became uh, President Trump's uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services. They had a typical election. Now, Georgia is kind of weird. They don't have separate primaries. They basically throw everybody into a big pot. And the two with the most votes, whether they be two Republicans, two Democrats, two independents, mix and match, whatever, the two with the highest vote, if nobody gets 50.1%, they have a runoff, which is what they had yesterday. John Ossoff had received 49% of the vote in the primary and I believe Karen Handel had received about 20 or 21%. So they came in, and of course, all we've heard since November was how, you know, the Democrats are going to pick up the seat because Ossoff is so great, and he's going to come in here. But let's look, we'll do a little comparison, and you, maybe you guys can figure out what the folks in Georgia obviously figured out. I'm going to tell you all about Karen Handel, and the chief is going to tell you all about John Ossoff. So first, Karen Handel was born just outside D.C. in a little place called Upper Marlboro, but she now lives in the 6th District of Georgia. While John Ossoff was born in the 6th District of Georgia, decided to move out and live somewhere else. Hmm. Karen Handel is married to a guy who lives in the 6th District of Georgia. John Ossoff is engaged to a woman who lives somewhere else. But it is near the 6th District. It is about three miles out. About about three miles out. Okay. (laughs) Karen was the, as I stated, the state, uh, Secretary of State for the state of Georgia, and uh, she was also a Senior Vice President for the Susan G. Komen uh, Cure Fund. While Asaf was a CEO of Insight TWI, which was a small business that produces investigations targeting corrupt officials and organized crime for international news organizations. He had produced a documentary for BBC uh, about ISIS. Karen Handel, who for this reason alone would get my vote, if in fact I was registered in the 6th District of Georgia, which, which much like John Ossoff, I'm not, uh, she is a University of Maryland graduate. While John Ossoff is a Georgetown University graduate who got his master's in the London School of Economics. The London School of Economics. Yes, which is in the UK. So Their newspaper is the Beaver. Really? <laughs> yes, because that is what's on their crest. I'm I'm not going to say anything because I like the rating we give this show. <laughs> this is a family show, so I'm going to leave it being a family show. It's interesting. This this race became very important for what I think would pre- be all the wrong reasons. It was it was not a race, at least from the outset that I thought the Democrats could win. They had a candidate. The reason Ossoff, from what I found out, the reason Ossoff got into this race was because he had challenged uh, Mr. Price. Was it Price? Yeah, Tom Price. He had challenged Tom Price the previous round. He'd been beaten pretty handily, but he'd, he'd done a decent showing, and he'd only spent like $1,000 on his entire campaign. 
I guess the Democrats thought, well, if this guy only spends a thousand bucks, imagine what would happen if we bankrolled him. He would be like some sort of bulldozer. And he speaks really well. He's very eloquent, and he gives these large, moving speeches. But like a lot of the people that the Democrats are running nowadays, he doesn't. He's an empty suit. He doesn't have anything. I mean, he's he's a documentarian. That that's wonderful. It's a it's an honorable profession, but really doesn't prepare you much for being the legislative representative for a district you don't even live in. It is amazing that that's uh, like you know. I, I don't know the rules to say obviously you don't have to live in the district in order to run in it. And and he is a resident of Georgia at least. Because I would think it's pretty bad if he was out in Minnesota and he decided that he wanted to <laughs> you know. I I like he he oh, I like those people down there in Georgia. I represent them. <laughs> well, you know, it, how long did Hillary live in New York before she came senator? You know, well, that's true, and and she got the term carpetbagger for that. But it doesn't matter because no. the letter next to her name stated that she was going to get in there because that's what that kind of place was. Georgia, on the other hand, was not like that. Georgia, as you had stated earlier, this was a safe, supposedly district because uh, for the past thirty some odd years they had always gone uh, with the Republican, which. I always uh, disagree with just going with a particular party just because that's what you've always done leads you to the kind of problems that we have today. Oh yeah, as as you know, and as bad as Maryland is because it is completely dominated by the Democrats, Alaska has a roughly the same problems because they are dominated by Republicans. One party rule is bad for everybody. I don't care how noble you think your particular political party is, unless they are being held accountable by a viable opposition party, not something where, you know, there's three guys in there and every sound every now and then they raise their hand, they yell a little bit, we shut them up and we go and do whatever we want. You need that viability in an opposition party. That is true. But in this uh instance, they did come close and it did it was giving people hope just the amount of uh support he got in in the initial before the runoff when they were hoping that he could hit that 50%. But then, if you look at the numbers, not enough people actually voted for him to get that. So, why why they were thinking this was going to be a referendum? And as soon as you start doing something like that and using language where you're going to now put it, it has nothing to do with the candidate, has to do with someone else, well, the other side can do the same thing and not make it about the candidate, but make it about someone else. Absolutely, absolutely. And it was very strange because I had the opportunity to listen to a couple of the ads that are available. I think I'll see if I can find a couple of links online if they're still there. <laughs> that kind of stuff leaves the Internet really quick. If you just listened to him and didn't hear anything about Democrat or Republican, you might think he was the Republican in the race. He was, he was running on a very conservative-leaning platform for the consumption of local Georgia residents, and I keep thinking to myself, um, dude, you're, you're not following your party. You don't know anything about the people because you don't live with them. And it was really funny because he actually got more votes in the initial primary than he did in the raw, actual raw vote count. Now, of course, they're blaming, well, you know, all the <laughs> CNBC and, and – um, oh, not CNBC. CNN and MSNBC are blaming the weather. I said, well, you know, that's, that's really what did him in. And I'm like – 
because what liberals melt in water what well, I but it is actually a statistical uh, probability that it, the more it rains the less liberals come out to vote um, so maybe they do melt I don't know I, I doubt it I mean yes one side has a tendency to if things are not nice enough for them to go they, they will opt for something else but just whine and moan and order a pizza well I mean in this case you had wonderful people like Alyssa Milano volunteering to go pick them up and drive them so as but as you were saying you know uh, I, I'd have taken the ride I'd have just voted for the, the lady then <laughs> but she gonna walk into the booth with me that would the, be awkward one of the things to note is that he at some point it sounded like he was doing what it was going to be necessary in order to win much like Romney did up north because for someone to be in the GOP party he sounded very uh, left-leaning very true very true so I mean that's that's just politics but again somehow this went between Ossoff and Handel instead of being uh, on their merits and their character it turned into is this uh, Trump versus Pelosi who do you hate more and as we found out the, the people of Georgia seem to not like Miss Pelosi that much more. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they pretty much dislike her. Well, I mean, it's, it was amazing when she sat back and started following the money. And the, uh, the money for this one race is crazy. It's about five times what is normally spent on a congressional legislative um, race. $26.2 million dollars between the two candidates most expensive ever that is and 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 the worst thing about it is for both parties in fact the worst thing about it is most of that money came from outside georgia and and you and i have had this discussion in outside the context of this show my feeling has always been that the worst thing that ever happened to this country was national political parties I have no problem if Georgia wants to have Republican and Democratic and Independent and Green parties. I have no problem if Maryland wants to have them. My problem is when they start talking to each other. Because there's no reason they need to talk to each other. At all. Ever. Well, and you can't, you can't give me a reason that makes sense. There's no reason. Ossoff even said, he even stated that uh, one of the problems with politics is money. And he was actually doing it on one of your favorite channels, MSNBC, where... <laughs> Where they, so he says, uh, money in politics is a problem, and uh, the more money equals the more problems. And they said you are outraising your opponent, you know, three, four to one, mm-hmm. and uh, he stopped talking, and <laughs> and she looked the the you know the talking head looked around like did I just ask him the wrong question, because he I'm had sorry, no. Response. Did you leave the script? <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that uh, he had a talking point, which was a complaint, which was a legitimate complaint, but he did not have an answer. And then he, uh, it was shown that he was benefiting from the same, the very thing that he was rallying against. You know, that's like, I hate uh, famine and the fact that other people can't do it. As you're in a buffet and you've got you're on your twelfth plate, I. I personally cannot say that I understand how the people in a famine feel because I am constantly eating. I, you know what, day two of me not eating, and if I'm still alive, I will understand. But I, it, you cannot 
project that much hypocrisy on the TV, especially to the people that will be watching you, which is like MSNBC, and and then expect a, a great turnout or even a win. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, the TV coverage in general, uh, as, as I mentioned, I did stay up late. When I finally had the feeling, because I started hearing rumblings at about 8.05 when they started reporting numbers, that um, that this was not going to go well for Mr. Awesome. Who was it? It was Kellyanne Conway on her Twitter account. Yeah, all she wrote was, laughed my ass off. And I thought, nope, that pretty much that much summarizes most of my television watching last night. Uh, I was just flipping back and forth between MSNBC and CNN. And the looks on the faces have become meme-worthy. Uh, I've seen any number of pictures of the vaunted political panel of CNN. You would think they were either at a wake or an execution. And both are bad. <laughs> both are bad, yeah. Um, it, it's funny because, uh, as I mentioned, uh, while the goon is, in fact, out of town, uh, hanging with the mouse, he was kind enough to uh, provide us with some insight on his view of the uh, TV coverage uh, for the election last night. Take it away, goon. Well, Chief, they are smiling here at Walt Disney World. At least the ones with the Trump bumper stickers are. Oh, there are a few sourpusses here in the Magic Kingdom, but they're mostly liberals, and that look is pretty natural to them anyway. You know what? I think I'm going to go check out the uh, new Hall of Presidents and see if it's opened yet. You know the one, the one that has President Trump. That will just be the cherry on top of the sundae. From Walt Disney World, the goon for swimming with the fishes. Well, there you have it. Nice to see that uh, he, we can get some work out of him. And, yeah. You know, but, uh, from the from the sounds of it, he seems a little crispy, and uh, that that for some people who don't know, that means sunburned. So, well, he did contact you because um, you know you're, you know the you, you, the people of the earth have the, those ancient ways of handling that kind of thing. And I I did not ask him if it worked for him. All I did was get a thank you. You did get a thank you. I did get one. Wow, he, he's kind of good. Kind of. <laughs> So anyway, so we um, we have this uh, this amazing uh, coverage last night that was just they were they were trying everything last night. At one point, um, one of their more manic people over on MSNBC, we took out one of these big whiteboards and he's got all of his eraser chalk stuff on there, and, and he's really trying to explain how the numbers are trending. You know, Trump won it by this much, but she only won it by this much, and since the numbers are going down, that looks great for 2018. And Mark Twain once wrote, there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. And I've always felt you could make numbers do anything you want, but this guy was pulling them completely out of whole cloth. The problem is not trends. The problem is not we need to say it louder, or we need to say it more or we need to spend more money. The amount of money they spent could have covered six different um, primaries. They could have spent more money in South Carolina. We'll get to South Carolina in a little bit. But there's now been four special elections since the election. So if you count the election, which of course nobody expected that to turn out that way, plus the four special elections where we were told each and every time this was going to be the place where the Democrats were going to turn it around and didn't. And why? Well, because there's <laughs> because there's no message. Yes, the the message is, uh, that, well, there is. It's just not a message that anyone wants to hear. 
the the message the only message that they can push out is that Russia had something to do with something that we knew about for a long time but it's Trump's fault and again that only works if Trump is on the ballot which he wasn't so now when you're looking on the ballot and you see two people and neither of their names are Trump you're like well okay I just won't vote for Trump and thus you have this instance I mean he didn't he didn't step one foot in either one of these places because they didn't know whether it was going to be good or bad because why make it about him now again which which considering who, who the president is right now that was a remarkable level of self-control yes he did he did put a tweet saying to vote for handle so everyone who pays attention to his tweets uh I don't know whether they listen to him or not. But I do know that, uh, at least from the information that, that I saw, that they also put in something saying that a, a vote for Ossoff is a vote for California. And that may have made a difference. Now, again, one thing that no one is talking about at all mm. is the one in Carolina. And they, I don't know how much they spent, but I know that no one pretty much gave that a chance at all so it's kind of like when you're at the last uh, if you're doing a four-man relay and you're the last person you're like well you know that guy's kind of far ahead i'm gonna just coast this one out we'll see what happens maybe he'll injure his leg and and i can catch up to him and maybe not well you know it's, it's funny for for the the lack of interest which would make one believe it's a foregone conclusion one way or the other um they didn't have a great turnout, 86,000 votes out of the entire state of South Carolina. I grew up in a suburb of Philadelphia that has more people than 86,000, a suburb of a city, and the margin was 2,900 votes. So literally it was 51 to 48, which, of course, like I said, sounds big until you realize it's only 3,000 votes. But that sounds pretty close. Like if maybe some of that $26 million they had spent over in Georgia, they kind of shoveled to... The, uh, the the candidate, what's his name, Archie Parnell, dude might have won. They might have picked up a seat because both of these seats were Republican seats to lose. Republicans didn't lose either one. Yeah, and, and now comes the question where they, do they keep Pelosi on? There's a lot of, one, one of the major things that I've noticed is they keep saying that they have to do soul searching and find out what they're trying to do. One of the messages that I've seen uh, floated around in various circles is to try to say that the GOP uh, wants to make the rich richer and they want to make uh, the poor richer or, you know, bring everyone else up. But they have no ideas on how to do it and the old message of Bill Clinton can't work because he would sound conservative now. They, they have, <laughs> and that's true. They have no centrist. It has gone so far. So now you have the resistance, uh, you know, Occupy group, and they're Occupy. so they're so far left that uh, you know their regular people are saying we can't even get on board with this. While on the other side, on the GOP side, you have the alt right or like uh, what are they called? The nationalists where mm-hmm. it, everyone is is a target and a threat but the the standard GOPers which are the mildly conservative or standard conservative mm-hmm. 
they don't even they're more like well you know trump aligns with enough of our stuff that we can continue supporting that and the people that support him uh we can we can live with it so it's not a you know fire burning if it's our way or no way right and there's not enough alt people anyway to make that much of a difference the difference the tea the tea partiers have have been absorbed for the most part and you know they're just a stronger version of the centrist but those on the left from what i have seen the the radicals on that side they are taking it to a level that i don't think even their uh core constituents can get on board with I just, I, you know, I, I've been around for a while, and although I do not remember, I was much too young to remember President Kennedy as president. He was president when I was born. I have read enough of his writings and, and you know, enough speeches. and His views on fiscal conservancy are crazy. I mean, he, he sounds more Reagan than Reagan. But I'm trying to figure out how John F. Kennedy would be in today's Democratic Party. I, I honestly don't think he would. I think he'd he'd probably end up either being a libertarian, or uh, you know, a, a Ted Cruz-like guy, which is crazy. Well, but, um, that seems to be the case with everyone. If we if we look in the past and we look at the way that they did things, you know, we'd have Reagan who would be a, a moderate Democrat. We'd have JFK who'd be a moderate, uh, you know, Republican. One interesting thing about uh, Mr. Reagan. Even while dead, he is still doing more overseas than, unfortunately, our previous president. Like, I just noticed that... Really? Yes, there are... Is this like a zombie thing? No, there there are uh, former Soviet countries that are still (laughs) erecting statues in copper of Reagan and taking down, like, Stalin, Lenin, Marx. Wow. And it... It's amazing, and one of those happens to be Ukraine, where they're thinking in their nation's capital of removing a prominent uh, person in the uh, old Soviet era and replacing it with old Ronnie. Wow. Who knew? That's pretty cool. Reagan statue in Ukraine. That'd be crazy. (laughs) Never thought you would hear about that, did you? That's like a sentence you don't make. Not much scares Putin, and maybe this isn't going to scare, but it's going to remind him, because one of the things that Putin can't stand, and of course, if if we're talking America, we've got to talk Putin, because that well, that man seems to... Know, <laughs> he, he solved, he, you know, he destroyed Hillary's chances well, by he, pointing out the truth. He seems to be living rent-free in certain people's minds. Oh, <laughs> my God. It's it's worse than that. I think they're sliding a check under the door. But one uh, thing that he he has always called uh, Gorbachev a traitor to the country. Ooh. and Well, yeah, from his point of view, sure. And who was the one who orchestrated all that? That would be none other than Ronbo, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, with, with a good helping of Maggie. Yep. And a little JP too. So I, I, they may be doing that just to tick them off. Well, there is a there is a tendency in the Ukraine to to tweak the nose of the bear every so often. Well, okay, so sometimes again, that doesn't work out well. See Crimea, but um, <laughs> well, see the Minsk Accord, which is what uh, 
as you, if anyone has been paying attention, the Ukrainian president, Petro Poroshenko, has been over here, and they've been discussing arms deals and other stuff that they're going to be getting because, of course, we they had an agreement which Bill Clinton signed saying that their borders would be sovereign and if they gave up their nukes, then mm-hmm. if anyone encroached, three countries would step in, the U.S., Russia, and the U.K. Well, when Russia's the one doing the stepping and the U.K. is in disarray, that only left us. And, of course, we had Obama at the time, and he said, I don't know anything about this. Exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> like he's going to do anything. But, uh, you know, now Trump's there. And so they said, okay, we have a new person. And, of course, everyone has accused Trump of being a Putin puppet. But I don't think people understand that uh, President Trump is on President Trump's team. And <laughs> as, as long as he's doing what he thinks is right for whether him, the country, if they coincide even better, then... <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that is what he's going to do. You know, in a way, I, I, I say this with, with fond affection. Trump is a little bit like Ferris Bueller. He's, he's off on his own, but he has ties to all these different groups which would have nothing to do with each other. But he can associate with them. I mean, let's be honest. How many billionaires do you know that can sit down and, and, and have a conversation with a dock worker and have the dock worker walk away and go, he's like one of us. Um, no, he's a billionaire. Yes. He's just really good at getting down to what it is that makes you tick and working with that, which, you know, it works great for me. I'm, I'm enjoying the whole process. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he did write a book on it. And one of the funny things is that there have been many studies on what actually is Trump's base, because every time he does something, it's like, will this uh, reduce standing with Trump's base? And one of the people that I actually trust with, not statistics, but more evaluations, came to the conclusion that uh, Trump does not have a base. What he has is people with overlapping agendas. So the examples they gave were that uh, the nationalists were the Steve Bannon group, and they wanted to improve America itself, while the... uh, Reince Priebus more standard GOP wanted to bomb Syria and got all happy about that and then you have you know the the flaky I can be on any side of the field uh, guys that wanted you know more infrastructure spending and spend and spend 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 and you've got (laughs) Mulvaney and uh, his ilk with uh, the bankers so all of a sudden you've got all these groups if you were to leave these groups alone, they probably would not like each other. But the fact that they have one person that intersects with all of them, if he does one thing that may tick off one, then you've got all these others, and he'll probably come back and do something that they want in the future. So what do you do? He's not For every one that he loses, he gains one in, the, in an, another circle. So he never. It's like a giant Venn diagram. Yeah, he never. That's why they kept saying he never really loses a whole lot. One of the funny things about the polls that they keep taking, which they state that he does not have, uh, what forty, thirty percent, and is going down. Mm-hmm. And one thing that they've noticed is much like Brexit and the election, the people that they're asking don't necessarily represent him because 
the those that come out to his rallies and those that still support him that number stays constant so whether the polls the polls may at one point be one percent if the people that they're polling don't like him then that's fine because that is the reflection that they're going to get that doesn't mean that it's accurate because as we saw in the polls they were dead wrong last time they were the polls again the pollsters have gotten to the point where they are just about bucking for a job either as a baseball player or as a weatherman and folks we have in front of us a real conundrum i mean what are we going to do if the democratic party completely and totally implodes because they have no message they have no leadership and we are done talking about them. Good night.